The following message is brought to you from Gathering Community Church, located in Surfside Beach, South Carolina. And now, here's Pastor Benji Simmons. One day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin. Welcome in my example we see. The Word became flesh, and the light shined among us. His glory revealed. Living, He loved me. Dying, He saved me. Is that too heavy? bring a message that's entitled uh, the lamb who became a shepherd and we'll make sense of that in just a moment in book of revelation chapter 7 uh, verses 9 through 17 is the scripture text that we'll read in just a moment but as you think of jesus you can think of a lot of the i am statements jesus says i am the light of the world he says i am the bread of life i am the vine i am the door uh, he, is, he is the lamb. He is the shepherd. He said he's the, the good shepherd. 
and a good shepherd lays down his life for a sheep. He goes on to say, I am the door. And if anyone gets to, got to go through me to get to my sheep. So many I am statements, even God himself says, the Father God says to uh, Moses, when Moses asked the question, who am I to say who sent me? As he's talking about going into Egypt to help free the slaves of the Israelites from Egyptian bondage. And God says, tell them I am has sent you. I am that I am has sent you. So from the very beginning of time, God is the I am. And there's so many I am statements. And as we get to know God, we get to know him personally in relationship, that I am comes to life. Because we begin to see, you know, God is my friend. And we understand God is, he is, I am your friend. And then we understand his love. Then we say, realize, we realize that, that he is, I am your love. We understand and we begin to apply all of that to our own personal life and we understand the I am who he is. And so in this message this morning, think of the lamb and think of the shepherd. And then we're going to go back and think of the shepherd again. So it's the lamb who become a shepherd who, who eventually, uh, under, we eventually understand that he is the shepherd of our life. And sometimes we become so focused on the suffering of Jesus on the cross that we fail to see the intended outcome. The suffering of Christ led to the redemption of humanity. And yet the redeemed of Christ will reign for him forever. In fact, that could, that's the end of the story. That's the whole gospel in those two statements. The total picture gives us hope and gives us courage, gives us life, gives us meaning. It gives us direction. It helps us to understand that the purpose in life is beyond just existence. There is purpose for each of us. Easter is about life that has died, but lives again. <laughs> Easter is about life that has died, but lives again. It's about victory succumbing to defeat, only to be victorious again. And yet it's about a God who left heaven to live on earth, to return to heaven. And yet it is about the shepherd who became a lamb, who became a shepherd again. Sounds confusing, I know, but it's the understanding of what we find in Scripture. So let me try to make sense of the, the lamb and the shepherd motif. Now, you're going to see that word motif. Don't, I, I couldn't really fit what I wanted on the screen, so I come up with a shorter word. But basically, it's the theme or the precept of, of the shepherd and the lamb. Let's look at Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. After this... I look, and this is John, he's, he's, he's seeing in a vision all of this. He's trying to describe what he's seeing about God, about heaven, about Jesus, about the Lamb, about the end times, about the tribulation, all these things. And he says, after this, I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were robed in white with palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. 
And all the angels stood around the throne, the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces, faces before the throne, and they worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength be to the God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, Who are these people robed in white? And where do they come from? And I said to them, Sir, you know. Then he told me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his sanctuary, the one seated in the throne which sheltered them. No longer will they hunger, no longer will they thirst, no longer will the sun strike them or any heat, because the Lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. You get it? The Lamb who's at the center of the throne will, in action, shepherd them. He will guide them to the springs of living waters and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. It's a beautiful picture of what John was able to see. And, you know, it's that and more. The beauty of it is just captured in the, the, the limited mind of John that is more beautiful than probably what he could ever see and describe. And yet, what he's seeing here is God at, thr- at the throne. He's seeing the Lamb. He's seeing a shepherd. He's seeing all of that come together, and he realizes that, that as, as John in the gospel says, Behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world is the same Lamb that is being described here in Revelation. And so let's think about this Lamb and shepherd theme. First of all, the shepherd is the one who rescues us. The shepherd is the one who rescues us. Now, in Psalm 23, in Psalm 23, you will find the beautiful psalm that David has penned when it speaks of the shepherd. Now, we have funeralized this psalm, and you hear it read so often at funerals, but why do we do that? It is because in a time of need, in a great tragedy of our life, we refer to this psalm because we need to be shepherded in the midst of the pain and the difficulty we go through. And David says, the Lord is my shepherd. He could even say, the Lord is my lamb. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing that I lack. He lets me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now, he's describing himself as a sheep to the shepherd. He lets me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He renews my life and he leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Switches back to humanity. So he goes from being a sheep, a little dumb sheep, and now he's, he's realizing that I need guidance spiritually in my life. For even when I go for the darkest valley, I fear no evil. You are with me, your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me and all, all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I shall live. David says, I need a shepherd because I need quiet waters. I need green pastures. I need to be taken care of. I need direction. I need help. And he realizes that God, the Lamb, who is now going to be for him the shepherd of his life. And so the shepherd is one who rescues 
Perhaps one of the strongest images in Scripture is that God is a shepherd. Now, in our industrialized society, it's hard to see that, that we just don't see shepherds and lambs out in the field. Uh, now, you go to the countryside or you go to certain places, you will see that, but it's hard for us to grasp. I mean, we, we see bikini models out on the beach because we live in the beach, and we see different things, and we don't see shepherds, so it's hard for us to grasp it. But go back in your mind and think about the shepherd and the necessity that the sheep have to have a shepherd to guide them or the sheep will not find those quiet waters. They will not find the green pastures. They will not find help. They will not find need. They will not live forever in the house of God. They will be lost and they will be scattered. David, a shepherd, pins these references so I throughout the Psalms, not only in the Psalm 23 that we said that the Lord is my shepherd, but in Psalm 79, verse 13, he says, then we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, we thank you. He gives the image again that he's a sheep. He's just sheepy just like us, and God is the shepherd. And in Psalm 80, verse 1, listen, shepherd of Israel, who leads Joseph like a flock, for he is our God, we are the people of his pasture, the sheep under his care, he says in Psalm 95, 7. And you can go on and on. The sheep motif is there. The theme of that is all throughout the Psalms. And one day as David was watching his sheep, the idea came to him that God was like a shepherd. No flock ever grazed without a shepherd. And no shepherd is ever off duty. So no sheep can graze without the shepherd. And, the, and the, the joy of it all is that the shepherd is never off duty. So your God is never off duty if you believe he's your shepherd. He never takes a nap. He never puts you on hold. He never silences his phone. He never puts you off to another time. The shepherd is always on duty for you and me who are his sheep. There were no fences, there are no walls, so the shepherd he has to remain watchful over every sheep. So I'm thankful that when I create the walls and I create the danger, I find myself in areas I shouldn't be. It is a shepherd who begins to, to work around me and begins to work for me and through me and gets me through those difficult times. The shepherd's presence was the sheep's assurance. The shepherd's present is the sheep's assurance. You ever been at a point in your life where you just feel as if you can't find God? Then all of a sudden something overwhelms you, experience of your life, and you feel his presence like you've never felt it before? You're overwhelmed, you're taken back, and you're just basking in the, in the presence of God? Well, that's when the shepherd steps up and reminds you that I give you that assurance that as a shepherd, I will never leave you as a sheep. When the sheep wander, the shepherd finds them. We find that in the, in, in the parable, in the three parables in uh, Luke chapter 15, the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son. We find that where the shepherd is constantly searching for the wayward and wandering sheep. And when the sheep fall, he carries them. When they're hurt, he heals them. Over and over, you find one after another, the responsibility, the joy of the shepherd is to the sheep. 
So thanks be unto God that the shepherd rescues you as a sheep and me. Second of all, an understanding this, or first of all, an understanding the shepherd who rescues is that we are like sheep. Now, not to bust your bubble, but I'm busting mine too. We're dumb. <laughs> sheep are dumb. It's just the way it is. Sheep were created to need guidance. And if you think about from the very beginning of time in that of creation, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve were not created to live life by themselves. They were created to depend upon the Creator. And as long as they depended upon the Creator and did what was right, then they would live in paradise in the Garden of Eden. And the moment they made a decision other than what was righteous, they would be out of that paradise and be struggling for the rest of their life. From the very beginning of time, when it was in paradise or outside of paradise, humanity needs to be guided. Humanity needs the quiet waters to drink on. Humanity needs the pastures to find food. And it is a shepherd who leads the sheep to find that. They need someone to guard them. The sheep need someone to protect them. They need that because there are threats in our life. There are attacks that come. Ancient shepherds know their sheep by name. It's interesting that you could put two flock of sheep together and, when, and, and each one have their own individual shepherd. The sheep know the shepherd's voice and one flock would go to that shepherd, one flock goes to this shepherd. It's amazing. And so the sheep know the shepherd's voice. And so when you feel the presence of God, and you have that aha moment, you know when it's the voice of God speaking to you at that very moment, that you and I know the shepherd's voice. Even two shepherds can confuse sheep, but the sheep know their shepherd's voice. We aren't very smart sometimes. I'm going to tone down that other statement I made. But we do stupid things. And I'm talking about my life more I am yours. We tend to be helpless at times because of the choices we make. We find ourselves wayward because of the decisions we've put on in our life. We're prone to the attack of the evil of like a lion that prowls around waiting to devour his subject. We get lost and we need the shepherd to guide us throughout life because we are all like sheep. Second of all, in this understanding of the shepherd who rescues us is we need that shepherd. We need someone who knows our grief. We need someone who knows our pain. We need someone who knows our loneliness. We need someone who, who knows when we're overwhelmed. We need someone who does not drive us, but gently leads us and guides us and helps us to make those right decisions. We need someone to back off and say, pray about it, depend on my spirit, and let me lead you. And when you find yourself being led, you'll have the aha moment knowing that I've already been before you and I've led you all throughout life. We need someone who does not look down on us because we're lost. We need someone who loves us and cares for us regardless of who we are and where we are. We need someone who hears our bleating cries 
and he, he saves us from our danger. We need someone who does not scall us or lag behind, who gathers us up in his arms and carries us close to his heart. We need a shepherd who loves his sheep, and we need a shepherd who's not scared of his sheep. We need a shepherd who, who wants the best for his sheep. We need a shepherd who will leave the 99 in the field and go find the one that's lost. We need a shepherd who cares for his sheep. And that's why we need the shepherd. We are the sheep who have gone astray. But he is a shepherd. And even though we've gone astray, we're never so far out of the reach of the shepherd's care. All right, let's think about the lamb. Now, we talked about the shepherd. Let's think about that lamb for a moment. The lamb who redeems. Yet the shepherd became a lamb. Religion would say that a lamb should give up its life for the shepherd. The shepherd would bring the lamb to the sanctuary, lean with all his weight on the lamb's head, confess his sin. The lamb would be slain and the blood would flow out of the lamb and life would be life for those who confessed. The lamb is that which redeems. And it is the blood of the lamb is what gives us the coverage of the, the recklessness of the sinful life that we create. Understanding this lamb, Jesus is the lamb. John says in the wilderness or out in the countryside, baptizing those um, who were coming to the water baptism. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene, life stops. And the little lamb who's baptizing all the other little lambs, he says, look, here, here is the lamb of God who's come to take away the this, this sin of the world, who's come to take away your sin, who's come to baptize you in a different baptism, who's going to change your life from the inside out. He's going to give you direction. He's going to give you hope. He's going to give you courage. He's going to give you salvation that no one can give. He's going to give you everlasting life that no one could ever produce. He's going to give to you beyond what you could ever imagine. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the Lamb of God who is the greatest shepherd of all of his own self and all of us who is the Lamb of God. Thanks be unto God for the Lamb who appeared, who came into our life. Jesus is that lamb. Jesus at the same time is the good shepherd who became the lamb, sacrificing his life for our sin. It is in Isaiah 53 in verses 4 through 7 that Isaiah says something. In verse 4 through verse 7 of Isaiah 53, yet he himself bore our sicknesses. He carried our pain. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. He was pierced because of our transgressions. He was crushed because of our iniquities and punishment for our peace was on him. We are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way. The Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was like a lamb to be led to a slaughter, like a sheep silent before its shears. He did not open his mouth. 
And so when John says, here is the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world, he's referring to Isaiah. He's referring to one who's going to take, take the coverage for us all. He's, he, he's not just the team player. He is the entire team. He is everything we need. And yet he is that Lamb who takes away your sin, who takes away my sin, that gives us life, that gives us hope, that allows us to raise our head every day and know that we're forgiven and that we're in his grace. Understand that Jesus is the lamb. And what does this lamb do? This lamb gives life. Here's the image where it changes the story. Life dies, period. Victory is defeated, period. God is crucified, period. The Savior hangs on a cross, period. The shepherd becomes the sacrificial lamb, and the word lamb means little pet lamb. So you kind of see that he was slain for no reason. Jesus, like the little pet animal, spotless, pure, was placed on a cross in our place. His blood is spilled out for the forgiveness of our sin. And the story continues. When he says it is finished, he wasn't talking about his death. He wasn't talking about it is done, I'm dying. He's not talking about it. When he said it's finished, he's basically saying, I as the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sin of the world, I have borne upon myself all your iniquity. I have taken on, on myself so that you could have peace, that you could have life. He says it is finished and redemption is given to you. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It is finished. Thanks be unto God that he finished what he came to do. Third of all, not only the shepherd who rescues, the lamb who redeems, but now let's go back to the shepherd who reigns. Jesus did not stay on a cross. God died, but he rose again. Now there's a comma. The devil didn't have the final say, his plan was thwarted. Victory reigned. Cockership happened. The lamb that was slain became the shepherd all over again. That's the message of Easter. That's the message of the hope of the world. That's the leading up to the Passion Week. That's what is the understanding when, when he died his, 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 that day on that weekend and he arose again, we realize that he, he died as a lamb, but he arose as a shepherd to take care of all of us all over again. Thanks be unto God. He, don't just, he doesn't just cover our sins. He now becomes the shepherd to guide us through our life. He helps us to understand where we need to go. He helps us to understand righteousness and holiness. He helps us to understand that you and I are people who need God. You see, the shepherd who reigns is the shepherd who will make us holy. Now, even though I, I made that statement to remind you and me that we're dumb, but I'm going to change the statement. You're dumb and holy. <laughs> you see, we're the sheep who have gone astray. And Jesus, who is the shepherd, is going to guide his sheep to become holy. Holy is set apart. Holy doesn't mean perfection. It does for God, but it doesn't for us. But if we have God inside of us, then we have perfection inside of us because He is holy and He's 
wants us to be holy. And so we're set apart unto him. The Apostle John in the book of Revelation speaks of that image change where John views the wonderful scene as we read in chapter 7. The saints in heaven are basking in the presence of God. They're basking in the presence of the Savior. They are mesmerized by the Lamb's work. They are shattered in their thinking by the shepherd's care. This is the picture that assures us of his presence here with us now. He's the shepherd who reigns for all eternity and the flock who will reign with him. That's why the scriptures are so important and pinpointed. It says he's coming back again. He says to his disciples in John 16, we've been studying the Sunday school. And in John 16, he says, I'm going to come back for you. You're going to experience sorrow. You're going to, you're going to run. You're going to hide. You're going to feel grief. You're going to weep. You're going to have pain. And he says, I am coming back for you. Be of good cheer. It's good news that when I say it's finished, that means I'm coming back. And when I come back, I'm going to take you with me. I'm going to rapture you. I'm going to take all you little lambs and I'm going to place you in the pasture of God and you're going to graze for eternity. You're going to have quiet waters for the rest of your life and you're going to bask in the presence of Almighty God. Beautiful, beautiful image. John says that that flock washed their robes and they were made as white because of the blood of the Lamb. They will be before the throne of God and they will serve him day and night in that sanctuary. No longer will they hunger, no longer will they thirst, no longer will the sun strike them, nor will they beaten down by the heat. Notice the image change because the lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. He will guide them to the springs of living waters. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Beautiful imagery, beautiful theme, beautiful motif of the lamb and the shepherd, and yet that shepherd who guides us. You see, the shepherd will make us holy. In the presence of God, we stand before him. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's all we need to know. That's all we need to care about when it comes to heaven. Yes, the streets of gold are beautiful to imagine, the rivers of life are beautiful to imagine and all the surroundings of the angels and the whiteness and the glow and the, and the joy, all that's beautiful. But all we need to know is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty because that's what heaven's about. It's about us worshiping the Lamb of God, the shepherd of the world, and yet we stand before him. The shepherd will make us holy, but the shepherd will lead us home. Thanks be unto God for a shepherd who doesn't forget about that one sheep. We will be in the eternal green pastures beside the living waters. We will be home. We will never grow hungry. We will never be thirsty. We will not experience hurt. We will never experience pain. All the suffering, all the tears, they're wiped away. On the other side, in the great tomorrow, there'll be no more sorrow, no more disappointments, no more losses, no more funerals, no more scars, no more guilt, no more cancer, no more failure, no more sadness, no more hatred, no more violence. It will all be beauty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. If Easter teaches us anything, it teaches us to wait. On Friday, Jesus hung on a cross. 
By the outward signs, it looked as if Satan had won, and it was defeated. The lamb was slain. Easter reminds us it may be Friday, but Sunday's coming. The lamb that died would rise again as the shepherd and the guardian of our souls, as 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25 says. In our present world, we will experience disappointment, we will experience discouragement, but hold on. Jesus says, just wait, because the day's coming that you will share no tears of defeat, and tomorrow the shouts of victory will be yours. And it's all because the shepherd became a lamb who became a shepherd again. Will you worship the lamb and submit to the shepherd? Will you worship the lamb and submit to the shepherd? It was February of 1941. Auschwitz, if that's how you pronounce it, Poland. Maximilian Koba was a Franciscan priest who, had, who was put in an infamous death camp helping the Jews to escape the Nazi terrorism. Months went by, and in desperation, an escape did, was, was attempted. Well, the camp rules were that if you were caught trying to escape, then they would select 10 people from the Nazi camp, put them into isolation with no food and no water, and they would starve to death at the result of trying to prove, don't try to escape. Well, a Polish Jew, and I can't pronounce these names, so I'm going to give it a shot. The Polish Jew... Frandiskus Gavinischek was called. His name was called. And all of a sudden he says, wait, I have a wife and I have children. Koba stepped forward and said, I will take his place. Let me go inside for him and let him live. Koba marched into the cell with nine others. He managed to live until August of that year with no food and water. The story had chronicled in the NBC News several years ago and Govischek, that Poland, was now at 82 years of age, was shown telling the story while tears streaming down his cheeks. A mobile camera followed him all around his house to this marble monument, carefully tended with beautiful flowers. And the inscription read, In memory of Max Millen, Koba, he died in my place. Every day he lived after 1941, every day that he lived after that time, he lived with the knowledge that I live because someone died for me. And every year on August 14th, he travels back to that very same spot to remember Koba. You see, Jesus died so that we could live. He died in our place so that we could have life. Isn't it very little to ask of you and me that we worship the Lamb and that we submit to the shepherd? So will you do that? Worship that Lamb, the Lamb of God, who has taken away your pain, who's taken away your penalty, who has taken away the scars that is deserving of your condemnation 
He's taken that away so that you and I could live abundantly and everlastingly. That we can live with God forever in His presence now and, his, and, and at His throne in eternity. Thanks be unto God for the Lamb who did come to take away the sin of the world. Who finally said it is finished and done, but yet didn't quit on His responsibility. Who remains as a shepherd today, who leads us beside the quiet waters. Who leads us to green pastures so that we can experience the glory and the presence of God every day in our life. Thanks be unto God for the Lamb. Thanks be unto God for the shepherd. Father God, we thank you that we celebrate what you've given us today in Christ. That you are in flesh, in humanity, delivering heaven to us in that of Christ. And yet we realize that the work of Christ was not just a birth and just a movement upon this, this earth, but it had a purpose and it had a plan that went back from the very beginning of creation to redeem us to redeem fallen man and to bring us back into right relationship with you. And we're thankful that Jesus performs not only an act, but performs the great joy of the revelation of bringing a broken life back to you. Through forgiveness, through love, and the gift of salvation given to us through the power of his blood. We thank you, God, that we can celebrate Jesus that we know that we, we, are, we are owned by the Lamb and we're guided by the shepherd. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. My friend, we want to stand and sing a song of commitment today and to give God everything that we have above all else in our life. As we stand and sing this as an invitation song as well as an affirmation of our faith, may, may you submit in worship, in mind and thought to the Lamb realizing the commitment is to be guided every day by the need of the shepherd. So let's stand. Let's sing together.
singing that song, you can hear, thank you, B.C., you could hear the shepherd and the lamb theme, can't you, uh, because of what Jesus has done. We thank, give him thanks. And this is the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sin of the world, the body of Christ that has been broken for you, the blood of Christ. Without the pouring and shedding of his blood, there's no remission of sin. This is the cup in the new covenant of Christ's blood that seals it. It says it's finished. Never to have to be repeated again. Never to have to be thought of again. Only the fact that what's important is that you and I submit to the worship of this lamb and the guidance of the shepherd. So today you're going to be given a piece of bread and you'll take that bread and, and dip it into the cup. You'll be given the little piece of the lamb, and you'll dip it into the spilt blood of the lamb. And you'll take of this elements here at the altar together, the communion by intinction, celebrating what you have been given, what I have been given, that we have life abundantly, more than we could ever imagine and dream that's even backed and sealed with an eternal abundance, the life that never ends. We were not born to die. In Christ, we're born to live. In Christ himself, he was born to die so that we can live. So thanks be unto God for the beauty of the lamb. And thanks be unto God for the work of the shepherd. Let's commune together and let's give God our worship and let's give God our thanks by sharing together in this communion. 
starting from the back, moving to the front, creating the two lines, being served, and head back to our seats from the outside in. And it is in the name of the Father, the wonderful Father, who is the great I Am, the wonderful Son, who's come to live on the face of this earth, and that of the Holy Spirit, who impacts us and empowers us that we commune together. Amen.
You've been listening to The Worship Cast, brought to you from Gathering Community Church, located in Surfside Beach, South Carolina. For more information about our church and its ministries, please go to www.gatheringcommunitychurch.com.